And so I'd like to begin by uh, just talking about uh, the, the, the phrase or the, mis the, the statement misunderstandings. Anybody ever had something that you just misunderstood? Uh, that maybe the pieces didn't all fit together, the puzzle didn't all come together, and, and so it was hard to clearly see and understand. I remember this uh, vividly in my life uh, when I was going into the 10th grade, and I was very uh, good, at least what I thought was math. Uh, and, and so I was entering into ge geometry, and at the beginning of that year, my uh, glasses broke, uh, uh, to where I couldn't wear them anymore. I had taped them up quite a bit and, you know, do all those things to try to keep them going. And I knew my mother couldn't replace them. You know, we were uh, living on a, you know, on a s real low scale there. Uh, and so I went almost that entire semester uh, without glasses. And so I'm, s I'm, I'm faking it till I make it. Anybody ever been there? You trying to fake it? So I'm in the class and I'm looking, the, the teacher's giving these formulas for geometry and you know, if you, you gotta get step one before you can move effectively to step two and to step three. And so I'm listening, but I'm unable to see the formulas. And so I'm just head nodding, saying, yeah, I got it. And them tests roll around and I didn't get it. And then I'm still saying, she's talking to me and I'm telling her, oh yeah, I'm getting it and I'm just faking it. And I'm hearing and I'm trying to grasp everything, but I just didn't understand because I wasn't able to see. And God so desires that we see. He prays. I mean, he reminds us that it's so important that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And so I'd like to speak about that a little bit this morning with the title of the message, What a Great Conflict. What a Great Conflict. Would you turn with me to the book of Colossians chapter 2? Verse 1 through 3 would be our scripture reference for this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. And here's what it reads. For I want you to know what a great conflict, what a great struggle I have for you and those in La Laodicea. For as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to know to, to the knowledge of the mercy of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures and wisdom of wisdom and knowledge. Father God, we pray your blessings over your word today. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear your engrafted word. That's able to save, deliver, and set free. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen. I will tell you that this message today is a very timely message from God. When we let him speak to our hearts and minds. See, this this message, this book of Colossians is a book that the Lord led and put on my heart to share in Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday night growth groups, uh, Wednesday night service for a, a couple of months. We just walked through the book of Colossians. And then he pressed in my spirit as I was invited by uh, Gary and Sandy Thomas to come to Acadiana Christian Academy and teach Bible study to uh, 
the young people, many of our young people that go to uh, their academy. Uh, and God's put on my heart, Colossians again, to kind of walk through this book. And so as I'm walking through it uh, with the uh, young people, middle and high school, uh, this very Thursday we came to this piece of Colossians chapter 2, these first couple of scriptures. And so I knew without a shadow of a doubt that this was the message that God had for this Sunday, that it wasn't something that I tried to uh, predict or put into place, but it was God directed and God led. And so as I share the background with you, understanding that, you know, it, 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 it can apply to where we are right now. See, this particular book was written by the Apostle Paul to the ancient city of Colossae, which was located in Asia Minor, a Gentile area that didn't really uh, had a lot of knowledge about God. But one of Paul's mentees had went and shared the gospel there, shared the good news, shared the message. And there were those that had gotten saved and they were able to start a church, a small church. As we look at the history of Colossae, it was probably the smallest church that Paul had ever written a letter to, that their church was in their home. It was a little house church. They were allowing God to speak to them, minister to them, tell them the truth of his word. And in this particular chapter, we're able to get the correct understanding. The understanding that it's not about philosophy or the traditions of men, but it's all about Christ. And so, Paul so wanted to get this message across. See, philosophy is that study of the fundamental knowledge, nature of knowledge, of reality and uh, existence, traditions of men. And so often, if we're not careful, that can get intermingled into understanding God and truly understanding him where we, when we intermingle it, we can get a misunderstanding. Because it's not by the wisdom and traditions of man, but it's by Christ and Christ alone. That we come unto a full assurance of understanding. And so Paul so desired that the church of Colossae, this small number, that it had some things that were being taught to him or said to him that were coming out of not a clear truth of the gospel, of who God is, of who Christ is. And so there was a little bit of misunderstanding that was growing. And Paul had never visited this church. And so he's trying to give them the right understanding. And so it can be a great conflict when you're trying to speak, speak to people that are not used to you speaking to them. That don't really know you like that. That you're trying to share these indelible truths into their life, and so there can be some misunderstanding. And so Paul is struggling within himself to make sure that it's not him that's coming out in the letter, but that it's God, that it's inspired by God, that it's spoke by God into the people. Because the reality of it is, is that we're still in his flesh, and sometimes we can have such a great desire and hunger for people to know that maybe we can get a little ahead of God. We can get a little bit 
such an anxious, such an, a, an, a, an a desire that we can overshadow with ourselves what God is trying to share. And so Paul is, you know, as we exegesis this, maybe he's saying to himself that I need to crucify my flesh. I need to make sure that in my hunger and desire for them to know that they don't hear from me, but they hear from God. That I lay down myself so that Christ is high and lifted up. And so this leads me to uh, speak a little bit about last Sunday. And so I want to begin by saying that there was a lot of God's truth that came forward last Sunday. But I will tell you that in that goodness and in that truth, and, and Elder Jonathan and I have talked about this, we've had several conversations over this last week. And he has such a desire for people and to know God, to understand his plans and his purposes. And as we're talking about that, talking about it this past week, that became evident and that became clear that his heart was in the right place. Because many of you were blessed last week. But there were also several that were hurt, that were offended. And it's so important for us to understand that we always want the word of God to speak and speak loudly. And sometimes the word of God is going to hurt in a good way so that we would, you know, look inwardly and deeply and that we would turn towards him. But it's also equally important that we don't hurt. And I will tell you that preaching the word of God is a very challenging and difficult. That thing that it requires great sacrifice. See, I've learned that over the years, and I'm still learning that. Because 1 Peter 4, 11 tells us, if any man speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And what that word oracles of God means is that we speak from the revelation of God. We speak from the revealed knowledge that God wants to speak to each and every one of us at the very point of our need. See, you may have heard me say that we don't, that I try very hard not to preach on issues. You know that God is concerned with every single issue of our life. And so when things go on, if we focus on one or two issues or three issues, what happens is we, you know, God is trying to meet everyone right where they are. God is trying to speak to 200 people at the same time, and he's able to do it. And it's so important that even though we know issues and things are going on, and we so desire that truth come forward and people know concerning those two, those limit God. They limit his word because we're focused on the two or three. When God is, fo is focused on the 200. 
He's focused on each and every one of us. And so as we allow God to speak to us, speak through us as the oracles of God, as the revelation of God, that word comes forth. The same words can come forth and they'll speak to each and every one of us differently and the same. We'll know that God is speaking to us. We'll hear the power of Jesus' voice coming through. And we won't glorify man, we'll glorify our God. See, I remember that. I'm so thankful that people like Sister Montgomery and people like Sergeant Brown was, able, was willing to be the oracles of God and speak for God so that I could hear him. And so I ask you and I encourage you as Elder Jonathan and I was talking, he apologized to me. And he saw and he wanted to apologize to you all for certain things as well. And I, you know, in our conversations, I told him, no, that's, that's for me to do. Because every time I stand up here and every time anyone else stands up here, the desire, the goal is that you do not hear us, you hear God. And God has given that responsibility to me as the pastor of this church. And I'm so thankful for Elder Jonathan and the humbleness of his heart to willing to look at all of it. Do you know that gentleman loves God so much? He so desired that those people in the nursing home who for months and for years didn't have anybody coming wasn't able to hear the oracles of God. He came to me with that burning desire in his heart to form and to start that ministry where we could go and minister to them. He's so willing to go to other places all over the world. See, the willingness of his heart and the exuberance of his desire to serve God, sometimes we just step across. See, the Bible says trespass. Sometimes we can say the right things, but we cannot say it at the right time in the right intent in the right heart, and that's all of us, that we can do that. And it's so important so that we have grace and mercy, love for one another. So I'd encourage you, if, if you were one of the ones that was offended or hurt, that you would go to him, that you would love on him, because his desire is so to love on you. And I believe that that is what grows us and binds us and strengthens us as a family and as a church. That we're willing to make room for one another's good and when we mess up. And so I say it clearly to you, I want you to know 
that I apologize. That as you hear, but here's what I'm challenging you. That you always walk in this door, you always get up every morning with a hunger and desire to hear from God, not from me. And I guarantee you, as you have that desire and you have that hunger, you, you, we won't get offended as much. We'll be able to. Somebody told me a long time ago, that he said, Jeff, you know, we're not perfect. He said, you know, it's kind of like eating a piece of chicken. You eat the meat and you throw away the bones. And there's sometimes I've, I've listened to messages, I've listened, and I've heard a few bones, but there's been so much meat, and I try not to miss the meat because of the bones. And so I encourage us to do that as well. And let's take the opportunity to draw closer to God and draw closer to one another and allow ourselves to be strengthened in our strengths and uplift and hold each other up in our weaknesses. And I guarantee you God will get all the glory. So let me continue, because Paul's kind of, he's, he's talking about this, uh, a, a portion of this. So what's also a part of the great struggle? See, he's struggling with himself. He's struggling in the conflict. Paul's conflict also is getting the people of God to have a full assurance of understanding of who God and Christ truly are. See, Paul mentions again the mystery. See, that word mystery is a, is a treasure that's hidden, but God so desires that it be revealed, the mystery of God, and really wanting them to have a full assurance of their understanding of who the Father and who Christ is. See, riches are found in the believer's full assurance. See, that word assurance means confidence, and certainty and their understanding of God and their understanding of Christ. See, once you know that you know, nobody can tell you any different. See, I, you know, I used to say to folks that you can argue, we can argue about Scripture and what it says and try to have a convincing argument of these things, but what you cannot argue with is a transformed life. I know he's transformed my life. See, in, in the Bible study tool, a, a website, it says this about the full assurance of understanding. It said it is an entire unwavering conviction of the truth of the declaration of Scripture about God and about Jesus. It's a joyful steadfastness on the part of any one of conviction. That he has grasped the very truth of God. That he knows, that he knows, that he knows. And so the phrase of full assurance is used in Colossians 2.2. Where Paul expresses his goal for the believers to be encouraged, to be united in love. And the richness in understanding and knowledge of Christ. See that Greek word, the full assurance means confidence, certainty, conviction. And unfortunately, many lack full assurance about the character of God and are unconvinced that he is really good and loving. 
Others lack the full assurance of their salvation and wonder if their Christian life is for real. Or are they just going through the motions? See, great freedom and confidence comes when we come to a full assurance of who God is, of who we are in Christ, and the plans and the purposes that he has for us. So I'd like to share three points on how to gain a full assurance of understanding. The first is through the word of God. See, some Christians obtain a full assurance of God as a result of studying God's word. Here's what Hebrews 4 verse 12 says. For the word of God is living and powerful. The King James says quick and sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierce it even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See that word living and powerful. When you think about it as quick, it means to bring alive, to be quickened, that it's sharp. It's able to cut away death of the natural thoughts, of the natural ways, to make way for spiritual, that we become spiritual beings. At the moment we accept Christ and them that walk in the spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh that kills. See, this is not a possessed or obtained by all saints because I believe we struggle with this fleshly part. To understand that the word of God is living. See, maybe we've read so many books, we've read so many stuff that we put it in the same category. It's not intended to be in the same category. This word is living and powerful. See, he went on to say piercing. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. See, that word piercing gives the understanding of entering, interjecting, separating the natural from the spiritual. As we read the word of God, if we let it, it'll pierce us. It'll enter into us. It'll separate this natural from the spiritual man that God has always called us to be and to walk into. And then he went to say the piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, those things that connect us. And the things that are deep within us, see the word of God will speak to it. See, so often we're connected to so many things in this world. See, the, God, the, the word of God wants to connect us to him. To understand that, it's a re- that God is relational. That he so desires that we be in relationship with him. And that he, his word reaches down deep into our soul, into the marrow. And so as we take a moment to just think about that, the word of God piercing, the word of God transforming. The word of God doing a work that's natural, that's not natural, but spiritual. 
It says the word of God is a discerner, is a judge, discerns our motives and our intents. The word speaks to not just what we do, but why we do it. Why are we doing it? Are we doing it with the right heart? Are we doing it in the right timing? See, we can be right and wrong at the same time. If we don't have the right heart about it. If we're not doing it with the right intent. See, the word of God is discerning everything. If we're letting God, who is his word, to do the work in us and through us. A great example of this is found in Luke, the first chapter, verse 3 and 4, where Luke so desires that his friend, Theopolis, knows the love of God, knows who God is. And so Luke is writing this entire book for one person. The whole world gets the benefit of it. But his sole desire was that one, Theopolis, would have a full understanding of who God is, of his love for him. We read this in verse 3 and 4, and it seems good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theopolis, that thou mayest know the certainty of those things, wherein thou hast been instructed, that you would know the certainty of it, that God will never leave you nor forsake you, that he's for you and not against you. And so we come to the second point, the first point, through the word of God, we're able to have a full assurance of understanding, but also through his creation experience. Through his creation experience. Look with me in Romans 1, verse 20. It says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. See, the scripture teaches us that God's glory and power and nature are revealed in his creature, creation. Excuse me. His, the very nature of God is revealed in his creation. The heavens and the earth proclaim him. And all living things declare his praise. And show his wisdom. See, God has made himself known to humanity through his workmanship. So that they are without excuse for not acknowledging him and turning to him. See, a major part of this creation experience is through his greatest creation, mankind. Each and every one of us. That God would use fallen man. within his redemptive story to bring about his perfect will, to share it with somebody, to give hope to somebody, to sense and feel his immeasurable love. 
See, Scripture invites us to get to know him, to sit and wander in awe of him, and to glorify and thank God for his marvelous deeds. See, in knowing truly who God and Christ are, you unlock all the treasures and wisdom of knowledge. It starts with him. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. So we gain a full assurance of understanding through the word of God, allowing the word of God to pierce us, to speak to us, to transform us, to cause our hearts to be on fire. And we gain a full assurance of understanding through his creation experience. We get to see the wonder and the awe of God. We get to see him transforming life, working in humanity, transforming us. That you look at that boy, that child who sat in that geometry classroom who couldn't figure it out. But God met him at the very point of his need. God reached down and pulled him up. His tennis shoes were broken. He had tape wrapped around him, and God reached to see, to sense the creation experience that God was still on the throne, and that he's, even though he sit high, he reached low. And then the third way we can have a full assurance of understanding is through knowing Jesus Christ. Through knowing him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is Lord and Lord of all if we let him. See, Jesus is at the center of this full assurance of understanding. Would you turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 through 16? This is how God wants to get the message across. See, it says, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. He is the very imprint of God. He is the image of the invisible God. See the word image translated in the ancient Greek econ expresses two ideas. One of them is likeness as in the image of on a coin or the reflection on a mirror, that that corn has that imprint, that you're able to see it. And the other is manifestation with the sense that God is fully revealed, made manifest through Jesus, that when you've seen the Son, you've seen the Father. When you know the Son and his character and his love and his grace and mercy, you know the Father's character, love, grace, mercy. So Paul meant that Jesus was, didn't, Paul didn't mean that Jesus was merely 
the similarity to the father. See, if he had meant that, he would have used a different Greek word, which speaks of a, sim, uh, of a similar appearance. See, he used a stronger word here to prove that Paul knew that Jesus is God. Just as God, the Father, is God. See this word, econ, literally means Jesus is the very stamp of God the Father. So when you have seen the Son, you have seen the Father. Jesus and God are one. They have the same characteristics, the same attributes, the same thoughts about you. God is invisible, which does not merely mean that he cannot be seen by our bodily eye, but that he is unknowable by our human natural means. You can't head knowledge into it. But in the exalted Christ, the unknowable God becomes known. So Paul expresses this and so wants this to become a reality for all. That they would not have a partial understanding that can lead to misunderstanding, but that they would have a full assurance of understanding. See, the ancient Jewish philosopher Philo equated the econ, the image of God, with logos, the word of God. And Paul used this important and meaningful word with great purpose. See, God is his word. The word of God became flesh, Jesus Christ, and dwelt among us, resided among us. So that we could truly know the character of God. That we would truly know the love of God because Jesus loved we would truly know the suffering of God because Jesus suffered. That we would truly know the patience of God because sometimes Jesus gritted his teeth and he was patient beyond measure. And that we would know also the chastening of God. That he corrects and he disciplines those whom he loves. That he doesn't just, he doesn't turn a blind eye to it all. So when, so we can read the word to see Jesus. We can meditate on the creation of God to see Jesus. And we can come to Jesus to truly see and know the Father. See, this is a spiritual and an intimate knowing. Jesus was talking about it, you know, and sometimes we can miss it when he said this in John 10, verse 14, 15. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. See, when we get to know him, when we hear his voice, we know his voice from any other. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, 
See, there's this interconnectedness so that we can get to know, understand. And he said this, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So as you get to know him and his character, you will see him operating in your life. You'll see God's footprints all over. It will become hard to miss. You'll be like, there he is. Because you will know what his thoughts are. What his plans and purposes are. That he has for you. And that he has for others. And we won't get so anxious. We won't get so so quick. Because we know that he's for us and not against us. That he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Because we see even with the Israelites, how much God loved them. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a hope and a future, to give you an expected end. So, saints of God, keep your eyes on him, not on all the other stuff, like the persuasive words of man, it's, it's Jesus. See, Paul was talking about that in Colossians 2, verse 4 and 5. He says, now this I say, least anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit. So important we have spiritual eyes. See, Paul was talking. He's not there. But guess what? God is. Rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Keep your faith in Christ. And then he gave us this to think about in 6 and 7 of Colossians 2. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How do you receive him? By your, faith, by your head knowledge or by faith? By stepping out. So continue to walk with him that way by faith, trusting him, depending upon him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Paul went on to say in verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So there's a way to do it. Allow your trust in him to root, to be an anchor for your soul, to build you up. And do it with thanksgiving. So he gives these words of encouragement. Remember how you received Christ. How he met you right where you were. Now, if you're not here, I mean, if you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ yet, he's calling out to you. He so desires that you would come to him. He's knocking at your door. And he's asking you to answer. So remember that the word of God is and was as you heard it for the first time, alive and sharp, and it spoke mightily to you, let it keep doing that. 
Let the word keep speaking mightily. Continue to abound that way to grow and receive from the Lord. Don't let any action or inaction stop you from receiving from the Lord. See, the reality of it is is we cannot perfect in the flesh. If you're trying to be perfect in the flesh, you need to stop it. Walk in the spirit. Because what begun in you was a spiritual thing. Let it continue as a spiritual. Therefore, therefore, just as you receive Jesus, walk in him the same way. The simple things of the Christian life provide continual and reliable spiritual fuel of growth. So Paul warns and exposes the people of that day. Don't be cheated by philosophies and traditions. Trust Jesus. Colossians 2, 8 says, Beware lest any cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. He's the standard. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities and powers. So Paul is making a tremendous point. In Christ dwells everything. And everything means everything. Did y'all get that? Everything? Okay. Of God the Father, of God the Son, and of God the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You are complete in him. You're more than able. You have all you need in Christ who is above all. You are righteous and the righteousness of God. So let's live like it. So ask yourself that question, who is greater than any natural? It's Jesus. And guess who's greater than any spiritual thing that tries to come against you? Jesus. He's above any power and authority. You have it all in Christ. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So let me finish with this. This passage that's found in Colossians 1, verse 19 through 20. It says, for it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. See, it pleased the Father that you would know and understand him and his character and his heart through knowing Jesus. And by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, what Christ did for us, it made peace with God. His blood was shed for the remission of our sins. 
that we would no longer be separated from God. That God would not be out to get us, but that God would be out to get us. See, it's the same words, but a totally different meaning when you under fully understand who he is.